Last time on Encounter Party! Faced with a mountain of clues and very little time, our players split up to decipher the plans of Daereth, while Lorzach and Solorin consult the new leader of the Orzov, Vikara, Xenia, and Perix head off to the Boros Legion to investigate the murder contracts. What terrible secrets of the conspiracy can they uncover? Find out this week on Encounter Party! Um, so, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna pop off to the, uh, Selesnya Conclave, yeah? Yeah. So, um, look, <laughs> heading over to the Selesnya is, like, the easiest thing to do, uh, in, in all of Ravnica. They, they reside in Precinct 3, it's huge, it's nice, <laughs> it's just nice. Like, uh, the, the Selesnya have, have just managed this perfect homeostasis of nobody's bothering anybody. It's actually very congested in there. Like, there's so many members of the Selesnya that they all live sort of like on top of each other. It's one of the most densely populated parts of Ravnica, but everybody just sort of like fits into their space perfectly. There's just luscious trees, greenery, everything's taken care of, everything's scrubbed, everything's nice. It's all just, it's all cultivated you know, Lorzach, very much in the same way as the Undercity, I can't imagine this is the first time you've ever been around in this particular area. Um, they're just, you know, for the Golgari, it just sort of feels like only half the piece, right? Like, the Orzov and the Selesnya, to you, each look like they only get half the picture here. But, you know, there's, there's this neat aspect about sort of Magic the Gathering in the fact that the Golgari tend to be green-black, the Orzov happen to be black-white, and the Selesnya are green-white. So between the three of your guilds, you have this really interesting functioning dynamic of, of sort of communique that means this, this tiny little two-man party that you guys form together actually works out really, 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 really well because you, you all sort of thrive around this sort of idea of life in a, in a cultivated way that, that life is very important from particular directions, uh, de- depending on how you do that. And also roll in responsibility. So really, really cool that this, that this kind of ended up the way that it is. You, uh, it takes very little effort for you to find a, a sort of, uh, you know, a, a campus perhaps where there's a, a, a beautiful ornate college of some particular order the, the buildings in, in, in the Selesnya Conclave around Precinct 3 are very tall, sort of ivory towers, right? This just sort of pristine, sheer white. Everything is white. Everything is white because if it's white, it doesn't distract from any of the foliage or the greenery or, or all that lusciousness. So the, the, the buildings are surprisingly as pallid as possible because it's nature that needs to shine, not the actual buildings. But you find this, uh, you find this, this campus, and you locate uh, something known as the Hall of Ancient Studies, and it's busy over in in the third in uh, Precinct Three. There's people popping in and out. It seems like a very busy, studious place. You see all manner of Selesnian around, from humans to centaurs to elves to dryads to loxodons. Uh, there's just all manner of people, and everybody seems in a good mood. 
There's rarely a rainy day in Precinct 3. Lorzech has pulled some part of his rags sort of up and over his forehead to try and veil himself from this abominable sunlight that seems to filter through all of these tree branches somehow. Yeah. And he sort of shuffles along. (laughs) It's not that bad. And as Saloran is walking by him, that sunlight is being reflected off of his armor straight into his hood. (laughs) Saloran's just a walking mirror right now. (laughs) Ah, that's great. Um... Guys, it's just a really, really nice library. There's uh, anybody you could possibly feel the need to talk to is available. Uh, is there like a receptionist or? or of course. Sort of, okay. Uh, Lorzach will is sort it? of doffing his little scarf <laughs> hood stole thing, approach this front desk and ask as graciously as he can muster. Oh, Jesus. Um, Excuse me. I was told that we might be able to find Eustaf Stoutfoot at this location. And counterpoint to both of your bitterness is a very young, very cheery, and very helpful female Selhana elf. Yes! Hi! Welcome to the Hall of Ancient Wisdom. Yes, Master Yusef Stoutheart is one of our premier researchers here. What a wonderful Loxodon. We were told he might be able to decipher these two particular texts and have to do with ancient Dovkarin history. And I might add they are first editions. What an exciting thing to study! Isn't it? Do you have an appointment? We don't. Uh, Does he happen to have office hours? He most certainly does not. Uh, Please excuse my friend here. We are here because of the grace of the guild leader of the Orzov Syndicate, and if you don't mind, the sooner that we see this Luxodon, the better. So Lauren says as he leans in a bit too close into her personal space. Please do not be distressed. I was simply asking whether or not Master Stoutfoot could be expecting you. Please wait here, and I apologize for the inconvenience. I hate it here. (laughs) Oh, don't be so sour. Meanwhile, in the very same district. We have dots to connect, and we first need to see some dots. Okay. Shall we go to the Selesnia first? Yes. Yes, you hop on some flying birds. They tend to do that. Not all of them. That's true. That's the next Simic thing, is they're just giving flight to penguins. You guys make your way over to a... Slightly isolated grove um, out in uh, one of the far reaches of District 11, where you guys encounter another well-maintained crime scene. As this person was a dryad, therefore a tree person, decomposition is going to take a long time. Nobody seems to have done anything. She has been laid to rest within the grove. And any sort of, you know, she will be buried and and replanted and turned into a tree anew. But that process is currently being halted as there seems to be some more Boros people who are just sort of kicking around, guarding over this area. There's no one really actively doing anything. She's just kind of on ice, so to speak. And you immediately realize has been so for about four weeks. Okay. Whoa. 
The request has been, do not do anything with her because we can preserve her as she is while we continue this investigation. And she is the third most recent. So second most recent was two weeks. So we can infer from that that it's every two weeks. Of these these most recent. Of these most recent three, we're looking at every two weeks, and that's something that I would like to keep looking at with the other assassinations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I have no knowledge of tree physiology. I would love to ask if there could be a Selesnia with knowledge of dryad science (laughs) to talk to. She has had her limbs cut off. All of them? Oh, no. So talk to me about what that looks like in practice. Like, do limbs have offshoot branches? Like, is it like taking a giant branch? She's bipedal. Oh, she's a bipedal. She's in human form dryad. Yep. Copy. Can walk around. Not not rooted to a particular area. Okay. Can walk around if, if she so chooses. Same precision type thing. Slice, 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 slice. Very precise strikes, completely different material. We're talking wood now, right? Right. Not flesh. Does not seem to be a hindrance. Does it look like the slices from Malthus Reed? It has been a very long time to even consider comparing that. You would need some serious back information to even gotcha. wonder whether or not you could make that, okay. uh, that information. What's wood varnish made out of? Linseed oil. Yeah. Linseed oil? Okay. So it's a natural substance? Uh, It's alchemical. Okay. Is there any... It's not... It doesn't occur in nature. It's not naturally occurring. It yeah. must be manufactured. Is there any trace, or was there, now that we're four weeks out, trace of something like wood varnish on this wood creature? Oh, Landry. Landry, Landry, Landry. Hmm. Why don't you give me an investigation check? Okay. That's a... 27. Wow. Would you believe it? (laughs) Uh, So dryads are made up of of bark and wood. Mm -hmm. You know, people are looking for weapons and tools and everything that possibly could have done this to this poor victim. But there's something about your fidgety fingers. There's just something about looking in places that other people don't because of how this stuff works. And you happen to start rather impolitely picking under some of the flecks of bark that were a part of her. And you notice a couple strands of like a steel thread that were way down in there. Okay. That nobody seemed to manage. And yeah, there's a bit of a varnishy smell. So I relayed to the group that there is a scent of varnish, and I also found strands of a steel thread. Uh, does the thread smell of varnish, or is it her? There's a smell of varnish around. Copy? That's the kind of thing that could linger. Yeah. Because as you begin to peel away some of these flecks of bark and said stuff, the volatile aromatics of that might uh, come out. As far as the steel thread is concerned, so mm-hmm. it's under it's under her bark. Mm-hmm. Was two questions. It looks like it looks like a a bit, yeah, of steel thread, maybe about sort of like a fishing line. Okay. Oh, so like thinner than piano wire. Yes, not a garrote wire. Yeah. Thin. It was coiled. It was on something. Whatever. Yeah. It, it's a loose piece of wire that, you know, it's only about 
eight inches long or something like that. But it was kind of shoved down under a part of her in a way that possibly forensic people never actually got around to noticing because of where it was. And they were obsessed about stuff like that, too. However, it's steel. Right. It's metal. Yeah. Not something a dryad's going to be messing around with. There's, there's vines. There's other options. She can make things grow on her own. Very strange thing to be sort of crammed into her. And does it look like it was uh, placed methodically or does it look like no, it was shoved in there? No, it looks like it got wedged in there accidentally. Accidentally? Yeah. Okay. So like it may have gotten wedged in there while it was restraining the dryad? Might have. Okay. Is there anything to suggest the same kind of paralytic fear? It's been a very long time to understand that. Got okay. it. However, it is important to note that dryads are generally immune to things like that. Okay. 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 Um, investigating, do I find anything else of note on the body? Nope, that's it. Okay. Or something like a trap could have done that. I'll ask uh, a Selesnia Conclave member who maybe is here to be helpful if there was anything notable about where she was found or is it at this exact spot? Like, was it in a space that is often populated? Was it in a space that was often remote? Is it a space that you would expect to find a dryad doing their thing? And this is her personal grove. Oh, okay. okay. The idea that somebody could waltz in here and do this unabashedly is very alarming. Would there be anything to suggest that this is a person the dryad knew? In that regard? No. Okay. If somebody wanted to destroy a dryad, they'd shatter her or light her on fire. They'd destroy her grove. That's her life force. Somebody sneaking in here, unannounced, unhindered, quickly slicing off some limbs and slinking off into the nothing. Very, very, very disturbing. Is there anything on the ground near her? Nope. Okay. Well, and it's, Say I was invisible. Sure. Is her grove easily accessed to me if I was invisible? Uh, Invisibility only protects you from vision perception. Trees and plants don't have eyes. Sure. Okay. But, you know. If she's connected to her grove, she's connected to the surrounding half acre. It's a little late in the timeline, Mm -hmm. but we have discovered that a major part of this problem is teleportation. Yes. So Malthus Reed may not have been the one to do it. He was super dead, but uh, teleportation is not out of the realm of possibilities given what we know about this problem. Right. Do we head to the Boros? Yeah, I think it's time for an angel investigation. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Ancient Wisdom... Lorzach and Solorin wait patiently on a bench. Solorin takes a moment to take a dig at Lorzach's clothes. Do they not have tailors where you're from? No, they have something far more valuable. They have farmers. Farmers? Well, just because you have farmers doesn't mean you have to dress like one, Lorzach. When this is all done, I know a fantastic tailor I can take you to. My treat. Stop before I perish from delight. You guys get flown to the very, 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 very top of a very, very, very high skyscraper. Xenia, I need a wisdom saving throw as flashbacks begin to plague your mind. Fair. 17. You remember your victory? 
You're undeterred. Up there are two Wojek officers who've been left to watch over this body. What you encounter is a former Boros angel who has been under a tarp for a couple days. Cup as, of coffee, lift it up. As they do their best to protect the body from the elements so high up. Nobody has access to the top of this tower any other way than flight. It's a watchtower. It's a rock roost. She is in full armor. She had her weapon in hand. Her wings have been severed. At the base? In quick, clean strikes. Not a single feather was recovered. And angel feathers are a very big deal. Uh, I'd like to ask the Wojak officers a question. Mm-hmm. Do they know what killed her? Oh, she bled out from having no wings. Okay. Xenia leans very close to the body, starts sniffing. Is there any scent of varnish? Yes. Uh, rolling investigation, do I find any steel thread or anything else of note? 26. Uh, after talking to some of the Wojcicks and getting some information, you notice that on her offhand, there is a line as if a really tight, thin strand was around her wrist. And perhaps that's why she drew her weapon and there was a great deal of resistance. So there is a red band around her wrist where some steel cut into her wrist. Whoever, whoever did this got close enough to bind her wrist and then cut off her wings instead of going for the wings first. Because clearly also to point out something that I'm noticing is that it was very intentional that they were that there were clean cuts because it seems as though whoever has stolen these body parts would like to repurpose them, perhaps in a Frankensteinian way. That is my concern, yes. Uh, what needs to breathe underwater and fly through the air with angel wings? So after acquiring all of this unsettling information, the suspicion you have gathered is that you suspect people are harvesting parts for something. For, uh, uh, we don't know, but what we do know, if we were to count through the body parts we know have been missing, mm -hmm. we know there was a right arm, a left arm, a right leg, gills, wings, and limbs of a dryad. That is what we are aware of to date. Sure. We know that they have been cleanly cut. It seems as though wood varnish was potentially invested to kill them first so that there wasn't... I'm betting to preserve. Oh. That's, yeah. Varnish is a preservative. It's how you keep wood... Pretty. Yeah. Well, but then let me ask you this. That does make sense to me. But if they weren't killed first, there would have been a struggle, and so it would have been difficult to make the clean cuts. Well, it depends on the situation. With the first one that we just examined, the Simic, they were paralyzed. So yes. they couldn't move. Yeah. So the gills were cut when they could make a clean cut, and then they bled. Well, they didn't bleed out. Uh, they couldn't breathe. Uh, with the angel... We know that they were bound at least by their wrist. Now, we don't know what that was. We can assume it was potentially the same silver thread you found on the tree, right. which would imply the tree was also restrained by silver thread, but some of it broke away and the killer didn't notice. Do we know what limbs were taken of the other three? 
We don't. Tajik said he would not give us any information until we brought any back. Because so far we're, they need a torso, a head. There is one place we know of a head that is fully alive. Yep. A temple that we could not enter. Or pronounce. Yeah, right. that too. And it involved the necromancers. Yes. And they put out the Rakdos contracts. We also have a situation where we have all the limbs of a dryad that has been taken, and additionally, there were necromancer limbs. So I don't think it's as easy to say a one-to-one of they're building a body because they would have too many limbs of certain kinds. Let's go head back to Tajik, let him know what we know, and hopefully he can fill in the blanks with what he knows. Yes, I think that's very smart. Or a lateral move. So you march your butt. Oh, no, you don't have to march. You can fly. We fly. You fly. We take rocks. I hope we don't march. We are on top of a building you said could only be accessed yes. by flight. You fly back to Sunhome, get ushered into the offices of the very tired Tajik Blade of the Legion, who is taking a nap when you walk in. Hey. S- sir. Tajik. Uh, Perix really doesn't have time for this and slams Fire. a book on the desk. <laughs> like, hand goes to a blade that isn't there. Oh, welcome. Sorry. They've been taking limbs to rebuild something or someone. Gross. Um, I mean, gross. We lay out for Tajik the information of what was taken. And we lay out the paralysis on the Simic that we are um, at least surmising also applies to the Dryad and the Angel. We lay out the steel wire we found on the ladder too, though not the Simic member. We lay out the varnished turpentine and the theory that if casting something in the vein of gentle repose, which extends decay, inside a preservative would significantly extend the decay of these limbs. We also happen to mention that we uh, have a bit of a theory that there is a head from Svogthos that might be looking for a body. He is far too tired for any of this to do anything other than just beat the shit out of his face as he's just like, boom, 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 wow, wowie, wow, whoa, wow, wow. Um, oh, I thought uh, hanging out with you was already dangerous. Oh, boy. We feel like there are some clues that we are missing that we've been starting to put together, but we need to know about the other three murders and the practice. Well, motive is uh, a very useful uh, item when it comes to the courts. However, I still have no indication of who this person might be. We What they are doing is frightening enough, but I need to find who this person is. Yes, but if we can find motive, which we think we have to derive from all six assassinations, then we might be able to glean who the person is. We have been interacting thus far with the conspirators we have told you about, one of whom was the master of teleportation, and this is at least a possible explanation for quick entry, quick exit. Hey, this is very difficult because you are not officially... In order for me to get you that information, I have to give you access to files, and then people are going to know that you are working for me. So please help me help you. We know how they were murdered, yes? They... Okay, so what do we know about the murder scenes that are not part of the actual killing maneuver? We know that each was a generally 
private or secure place that someone managed to gain access to and exit from without causing any kind of commotion or security lapse. In our investigations of Malthus Reed's death, we discovered that teleportation was a project he was working on. Is it out of the realm of possibility that Malthus Reed staged his own death using these similar processes in conjunction with the Golgari? I mean, I was going to ask earlier, is it possible that someone decided they'd had enough of Malthus Reed and taken out a contract on him? But I don't know, given that he was the head conspirator, that that makes a whole lot of sense. This Malthus Reed was murdered where? The 10th District. At, at a Specifically, bar, the Legend. By a Ravnikos. 34th Precinct on the uh, Ravnica New Year's Festival. Yes, by Ravnikos. Oh, boy. That is the exact location of our first known assassination, the one that we consider to be a practice. Oh, no. Uh, During the festival, there was a young goblin who was assassinated in the alley in front of a great number of people, and we suspected that to be the practice attack of whoever is doing this. However, timeline-wise, time... Skrillex? We found his torso. And could there be any connection between anything that you have found as far as steel wire or varnish that would somehow connect anything that happened there into the effects of these murders. Yes. The person we believe did those murders and thought we had dispatched was using the bodies as marionettes. That requires wood. That requires steel wire. Okay, that is a lead. Uh, Do you remember where that is? The murder circus. Okay, there are a lot of murder circuses. Oh, right. <laughs> it was in Theater Row. Okay, I think we had there then. To the 3rd District, 34th Precinct, Theater Row. Alrighty. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Ancient Wisdom. So, uh, <laughs> after some nauseating minutes between the two of you, um, this, this bubbly elf comes back down and says, I do apologize for you having to wait as long as you did. Please accompany me to the upper offices. Thank you so very much. Yes. And she leads you up uh, far too many flights of stairs um, into what looks to be um, a larger sort of a research area where the books are a little bit more protected, you know what I mean? Stuff that's not necessarily available for public consumption, but accessible to anybody who needs them. Not necessarily a private collection, but just a slightly more exclusive uh, collection. And there's a there's a, a gorgeous, large hardwood table that's been made, and then the furniture around here seems designed for all manner of beings, bipeds more so than anything. So there there is sort of a, a mutual enjoyment here is this sort of the shelving, the furniture, all of this stuff is not only finely crafted and prized, but it's all made out of earthen materials. So for the two of you combined together, while the positivity of the Selesnya Conclave is perhaps a little bit too much for you guys to take, again, there is just sort of this mutual appreciation of, of life and nature and craft, and it may not be quite so bad. And uh, after a brief moment of waiting, uh, a wall panel opens and in walks in a large, slightly seasoned gray loxodon, 
whose uh, whose tusks still look fairly healthy. Doesn't really look too hunched over or cragging. Has a staff, but uh, still looks to have their wits about him, but uh, exhibits the air of wisdom. Yes, 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 yes. I do apologize for making you wait. Somebody said that you had an interesting book to share with an old stout foot like myself. Uh, two of them, to be precise. Oh, exciting. Uh, sir, these are, to my understanding, tomes recollecting the ancient history of the Divkaran people. Forgive my ignorance, but uh, it seems that these require the seasoned eye of a scholar trained in the rhetoric of history. Yes, yes, yes. Well, let's not get too excited that we forget to be polite to each other. My name is Eustace Stoutfoot. I'm one of the more prolific members of this society, and, and who might I have the pleasure of meeting? My name is Lorzach Rotspeaker. Yeah. And my name is Siloran Trent. Yes, you are quite a shiny one, aren't you? Thank you. My tailor works very hard. Yes, it is sort of surprising to see a Golgari this far up on the settlement. Now, what, what, what is it that you have brought me here, these exciting texts? And he lays them out on this gorgeous hardwood table before yeah. them. Now, uh, the Loxodon have rather chunky fingers, so uh, true to flavor, he is using his trunk to sort of mellow over these things very gently. And you can see him take sort of like a long white sock and just sort of shimmer it up over the edge of the trunk uh, so he doesn't get any snot on the pages or whatever. And then he's just lightly sorting through me. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, these are very prized indeed. A lot of very, very old information. You're very lucky to have, have your hands on stuff like this. Um, I, I can't imagine that you're going to have too much difficulty reading them. Are, are these a donation or a transcribing? What, what exactly has brought the two of you in here today? I suppose our hope is uh, that we might be able to have an adaptation of some sorts made for the layperson, less well acquainted with uh, the academic rigors of this text, and yet able to satisfy their curiosity as to the ancient history of my people. Oh. <laughs> that could take years if you're looking for something. Is is this is this? Uh... That's important to the, the Golgari people at the moment, or is there some particular information you're, you're looking for? Uh, it is in itself a bit of an educational text. It seems to be uh, referencing a lot of uh, uh, ancient uh, events, the formation of the Guild Pact. Well, I might take one shot in the dark here and ask, we have found some other apocryphal references to a persona identified under the name Deirath, a name that seems to exist only in archaic Devkarin, and our hope is that there may be some sort of cross-reference to be had in this text indicating an ancient site from which such a name could originate. Yeah, he furrows his brow very deeply. There, there's something about that name that's off to him. 
there's, there's something about that collection of syllables that's just off for him. And, and, and he starts muttering to himself just as he sort of wanders off and, and beckons you with a, with a big hand to just wait there for a moment and just, yeah, just wait, 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 wait. And he sort of shuffles off into the area. Rat. It's not, not even in the right place. And now, a quick word from one of our sponsors. You know, folks, blank walls can be pretty boring. So why not spruce up your home or office by heading over to ukiyopop.com. They have a collection of traditional Japanese prints inspired by today's comics, games, and movies. The gallery is viewable online for free and prints are available for purchase. So head over to ukiyopop.com. That's U-K-I-Y-O-P-O-P.com. Tradition in a modern method. And now, back to the party. Well, enough of that scene. Let's check back in with you, gumshoes. We we go straight to the murder circus in Theater Row. Yeah, I'm following for the first time. Is Tiji coming with me? No. Uh-oh. It is midday, however, and um, the theater does not look like, if it was, it's certainly not shut down anymore. It's still up and running. Okay. There are circus people practicing inside. Perix will ask uh, his two compatriots, is there any reason why we shouldn't just walk in there? I mean, there are so many reasons, but maybe we should just go in. <laughs> uh, Perix will uh, ask Fakara to go first as the person who is a little uh, less squishy and follow close behind. You walk in. Yep. It looks just like you remember. Lovely. A circus. Some circus folk practicing their routines. Different things than when you were there last time. Doesn't take very long for you to be inside before uh, a rather tall, you know, elegant, sex-positive woman approaches the front of the group and just says, we do appreciate private performances, but unfortunately you'll have to wait for the opening. Oh, gee, we're not here for the performance. Xenia flashes her Boros bed. She says, <laughs> police, excuse me. Oh, now, 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 now. I don't know what you have had, but we have not been a part of any of that for months. And she sort of like slowly just sort of like throws her hands up like, don't harass me, man. If you haven't been part of that for months, that's fine. Good for you. Way to go on the straight and narrow. Did uh, your <laughs> circus change ownership? Um, no. Can I ask who owns the circus and might we talk to them? She does a lovely fanciful bow. Oh, hey, you were in charge a few, four months ago. I've been in charge of this circus for six years. Oh, wow, that is lovely. We do have a question. My compatriots were here in the past, and they seem to remember a situation with a harlequin under your employ and a small goblin being used as a marionette along with a human being used as a marionette. And also, before we get to that, madam, what is your name? Oh, sure. I am the Grand Madam Razor Lay. Razor Lay? Razor Lay. When it comes to the Harlequins and my individual acts, we hire them. 
Do you remember the act I am speaking of that I'm sure got you a lot of attention from the Boros and the Azorius? Yes. I happen to remember quite well. Thankfully, the blood has added to the decor. And it has come to our attention that perhaps what at the time was attributed to random acts of senseless violence from a rogue Harlequin might have been a contract from um, some bad individuals. Could I ask if anyone under your employ receives contracts or if you dole them out? She beckons you to the back office. Uh, Perix follows. Carefully. <laughs> I'll come with. Thank you. You are now being ushered very deep into the back end of this circus. Oh, Dude, with numerous deadly racto circus folk now between you and the exit. She ushers you into the back office, sits down at her salon. Look. If you truly are part of the problem that was here four months ago, I don't think I need the hassle. So whatever I can do to get you out of my circus forever, I'm willing to help you today and today only. Thank you very much for your cooperation. She starts making a pot of tea. Hmm. Perix will ask, the Boros, who we are assisting in this search, um, suspect that the murder of the goblin who then became part of your problem uh, just a couple days later, was part of a larger killing spree as conducted by Rakdos assassination contracts. We are trying to track the source of those contracts. If the Harlequin that was dispatched inside your circus was not the source of the murder, we are wondering who might have supplied them with those limbs. I believe that Harlequin and some of the other members of its act were killed in this very circus. Yes, indeed. And yet the serial killings have not stopped. Well, then it's not likely it was that Harlequin, is it? No, it is not. But it would seem likely that what the Boros believe to be the very first instance of what has become a serial killing across Ravnica happened in your circus under your employ and two people within days of each other were part of this killing spree, which would mean that somehow a correspondence with your circus or with you or with your performers led to their killings and we need to track who that was. Now let me ask, when you job in your acts... She puts up a hand. Sure. And um, these two victims that you seem to have destroyed this Harlequin over, we know that the Harlequin was involved in this how? Harlequin was using bodies as puppets. I see. While this conversation is happening, Xenia glances around the office and looks for wood varnish or steel. She puts up another polite hand and she says, Tricky business. The sorcery required for such grotesque Reanimation, it's not quite Golgari now, is it? Um, however, I'm always very curious to know where some of my performance items come from. And she takes the finished pot of tea, picks up a teacup and a saucer, takes a sip from the empty cup, never puts any tea in it, sips from the empty cup, 
and then very deliberately places the empty cup back down. Xenia gives the Grand Madam a very ostentatious bow and says, thank you so much for your time, and walks out of the office. She gives you a lazy head nod and a smile. Very confusedly is like, uh, and then says, thanks, and follows Xenia? Come along, Fakara. Um, Xenia got it. Let's go. Uh, thank you. Come back anytime. Eight shows a week. Oh, wow. That's a lot. But bye. Thank, thank you for your time. And then Perix will kind of like hurriedly run up next to Xenia, which is helped by his stone that lets him travel 10 feet faster than her, and uh, say, what are you doing? The Grand Madam gave us a very obvious clue of where we need to look next. She sipped from an empty teacup. Okay. I believe that she's telling us we need to go to Empty Cup Row. Which is what? It's an is-it facility where non-sanctioned experiments happen. It is very, very dangerous. Oh, God. I uh, (laughs) don't know that I want to go there. Empty Cup Row is basically a string of abandoned buildings that has been rumored that is it scientists who don't get their experiments approved go do them anyway <laughs> oh i hate <laughs> oh oh as someone who also conducts experiments but in a much more yeah. orderly way i hate not just the idea of its ex- existence but whatever could come out of there it is underground experimentation <laughs> Ooh, Brian, you know exactly how to tweak my tweak-out buttons. Um, and, and I will say to Fakara, um, we may need your strength because this is not going to be good. Oh, absolutely not. Whoa. Aurelia, help me. Oh, God. Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Ancient Wisdom... Yustef Stoutfoot returns to our heroes. And uh, he comes back in a little bit with an assistant, and, and they have some books, and he lays some stuff down, and he goes, I, I happen to be quite well-vested in, in, in history. Uh, I know no one of any great importance within the Gulgari by the name Dayrath. However, there's something about that, something about that word that is unsettling to me. And uh, he pulls out a text, and he starts ciphering through it, and he goes, yes, yes. Uh, uh, It's important to note for you and your people that uh, this happens to be some some text with some linguistic conversions showing the evolution of ancient Golgari into the Devkarin languages that we have today and the the branches from, you know, those days into the Selhana and how your people have split and, and, and such, but... Um, give me just a moment. And he starts fiddling through some stuff with with surprising amount of accuracy and clarity. And he goes, ah, yes, yes, yes. I knew something wasn't sitting right. Dayreth, it seems, is not a name. It is a word in ancient Devkarim. The word Dayreth means retribution. So I'm not entirely sure who it is you are looking for, but having their name be retribution is 
I'm not here to judge your cultures or anything of the such. But... And Lorzach has to figuratively at least take a step back and reassess what it was he thought was happening in the Undercity. So Lauren sidles up next to Lorzach and whispers, Retribution and all these necromancers acting on behalf of Deoreth. Do you think that this is revenge from Svogthir? And Lorzach does not want to talk about that inside a Selesnian library. He expresses a great interest in the continued study uh, and further understanding to be gleaned from this text, but uh, he feels he has a solid lead on something that he's just learned about the origin of this word. Also, I have these sadly rather compromised fragments of map. Oh. They seem to be not uniform. They explore a certain region. But I was hoping one of your worldliness would be able to look at them and perhaps solve this puzzle. And Soloran lays them out in front of him, kind of enticing the Luxodon as if presenting a mental challenge. Uh, uh, where did you say that you uh, acquired these from? I didn't. Yes, yeah. Um, are you sure that these are actually official maps? Official, no. Mm. I spent the first 60 years of my profession on archaeological digs in the Undercity, and this seems to resemble something of that suggestive makeup, but I have been numerous places under the city, and I don't actually recognize any of these locations. I suspect these maps are far older than they appear. In fact, as I look at this little bit more clearly, yes, yes, I know the false hand when I see one. If you notice the way that this particular line is stroked, this is not the way a cartographer would illustrate a map. This was copied from something else. Somebody was making new additions of probably an older map, something that no longer could hold its shape or was deteriorating, but uh, these seem to be copies of things made within, based on the paper, he gives it a sniff, within the last year to a year and a half. Um, however, confusingly still, it appears like it could be something in the Undercity, but I've never seen any of these regions before. I don't even recognize some of these, this chasm here. You would suspect that that would point to the dead bridge, but it's all wrong. I've never seen this pitfall before in my life. I'm sorry to say that these are either an elaborate prank or they are referencing some place so old it has long been since buried. A place so ancient it would be buried beneath the dead bridge. Um, well, possibly. Ravnica is much older. The Guild Pact itself is only established 10,000 years ago, but there's a, a possible infinite amount of time that existed before them. So Lauren then collects the pieces of map fragments, puts them back in his pouch, and says, You've been very gracious with your time, Master Stoutfoot. Thank you for uh, the very illuminating conversation. Oh, uh, you're welcome, I suppose. 
Yes, most edifying, Master Stoutfoot. Great. Thank you so very much for your time. Uh, yeah. Come back at any time. Uh, um, Mr. Rotspeaker and Mr. Trent, I, I will have uh, an assistant researcher of mine notate your names down. If I could possibly be any assistance in the future, I, I never pass up a chance to look at something interesting. It's good to know. Thank you. Yes. Good luck to you. Can't say that I like that he's going to have someone write our names down. But uh, <laughs> that could just be Lord Zatch's paranoia. That's which just has your been... paranoia. That was just a polite way to end that conversation. <laughs> uh, as, as, um, as they step out, Saloran looks at Lord Zatch in a new light and says, I suppose it comes from your mother being handmaiden, but were you ever at court, Druid? Not as such. It may amuse you to know that I was to be presented once upon a time to a very influential circle of people, and then a certain tree cracked open. But then I suppose you wouldn't remember that, would you? Um, you never said a meeting place, so perhaps we should wait, because I bet you Ned will send a message. That's Just right. in case, if not, um, Saloran will say, Shall we head to the Demir safe house? <sighs> An even better idea, I would think, is a tavern along the way. The first run is on me. Great. So, uh, for the party people at home, I'm not going to announce specifically where you can find Empty Cup Row, because I don't want any of you wandering there accidentally for your own safety. But for the sake of our audience's safety at home, uh, we flash forward to an abandoned group of buildings known as Empty Cup Row. Xenia is buzzing with excitement. She's heard of Empty Cup Row. She's often wondered if she would end up there someday herself. Um, On your current path? <laughs> might. Yeah, <laughs> you might. Yeah, most definitely. Um, but she uh, motions to both of them to just, let's keep quiet. Don't make any sudden movements. You might step on an explosive. I can't promise you anything. That is the beauty of this place. You and my definition of beauty are vastly different. <laughs> I'm going to lose a horn. It's probable. Here we go. You've got an extra one on your hip. You've got a bunch head. of abandoned buildings. Okay. Um, Any identifying marks on any of them? Oh, this place looks like it's just like a, a, an abandoned district. Rubble, crumpling buildings, nothing's maintained, overgrowth. Any chance there would be a perception to see if anyone's taken notice of us? Sure. Hey, roll them dice. That's probably a good idea. Hmm. A 14. 15. 11. Doesn't seem like anybody spotted you or gives a shit if you're there or not. Xenia, do you know which way we're supposed to go? Of course I don't. Um, do these buildings have windows? Some do. Okay. Some are blacked out. Some don't have glass. Mm-hmm. Okay. We know that what we are looking for is related to, obviously, these cut limbs, the Harlequin Rakdos experience. The marionette technology. Exactly. So I would like to, I would like to roll for... I guess maybe investigation to see if I smell any varnish on That's the exactly air. what I was going to say. Well, we've got two different types of scientists having to deal with an alchemical thing. 
God, both of you just might have to put your heads together. I am not the scientist in this situation. You are not. Yes, for the audience at home, I think they got it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, if we need to find a way to search for varnish, turpentine, whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, then we can either search for it by fire, we can search for it by smell, we can search for it by, you know, looking for wood that is varnished around us. I don't know that I would recommend setting anything on fire right now. I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm just saying it's an idea. (laughs) I think maybe we can, I think maybe observation of scent and looking at the ground to see if anything has been spilled. Sure. Uh, Stains of turpentine are hard to get out. Both of you make an investigation check. I'll uh, keep watch for 22. Actually, also for Kara, because you got a big schnoz. (gasps) I do! I got a big nose. I rolled a one. <laughs> Good try, kiddo. <laughs> What'd you get? 24. Oh, both of you hit over a 20? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bam, you lock in on the smell instantaneously. There is a waft of wood treatment somewhere. I very carefully lead the way following the scent. And I look for traps along the way. <laughs> um, I, I caution both of them to watch where they step. I actually caution them to behave as you would around a shark. You can never look in one direction for a very long time because then the shark's gonna sneak up on you in another direction. So you just keep having to look all around you every second. Perix, let's get a nature check to see how well you can hone in on this chemical. 23. It takes you on a little bit of a winding path but eventually uh, you find down a couple alleys, this faint smell. You can't believe how powerfully long this stuff lingers, right? It's not just a, it's not just an intermittent treatment. This stuff is meant to last a while. Down a couple alleys, over a couple of rubble ridges, you see sort of like a garden apartment entrance, right? Where it's sort of a half step down and there's a door just sort of quietly sitting there amidst a big, large chunk of crumbled building. Do we hear any voices? Perception check. Natural 20. 10. 18. A natural 20? Yep. Shit, that was fast. Um, Sounds like there might be some... uh, You hear what could be a single voice going on behind the door. Common? Uh, Language is indeterminate. Got it. Uh, I will relay that there is definitely someone inside, but I will also relay that the last few times we've heard indeterminate voices behind doors, they haven't been dangerous, just crazy. Sure. Are there any windows to speak of? No. Whatever this is, is an underground hovel. Sania sneaks closer to the door and directs her ear towards it to see if she can discern anything additionally? No, you can just hear that there's somebody in there. There is a single voice in there having a rather lengthy conversation. I don't have sleight of hand, so the ability... I mean, I do, but it's not a its not something we should be excited about. Uh, so the idea of picking a lock is not going to be a thing under Perix's abilities. I could, but it seems like it would be the same response as knocking on a door could be. Agreed. Um, um, sleight of hand allows you to do things unnoticed. Okay, okay. Um, I mean, I could just knock the door down. No. No, no, no. Okay. Um, okay. I mean, I suppose I could roll a sleight of hand to see if What's I can peek inside. What's your dex mod? 
Well, my dex mod is only three, but my sleight of hand is plus six. Yes, it should definitely be you. <laughs> what? Why was this a question? Give me a sleight of hand, please. Okay, I'm just double checking too to make sure it didn't go up since we leveled up. I was over here being like, I could try my dex it mod. It did go up. I'm glad I checked. Okay. 24. Oh, Xenia. <laughs> you were just building machinery with Niv-Mizzet the fire mine. It's a door jam. <laughs> okay. Um, you I... could take it apart if you wanted to. You don't even have to pick it. Okay. And I very quietly do so. Doors open. Okay. I peek inside. Actually, if you want to, do you want to just like remove the whole housing unit? You mean like the whole door? No, not the door, but like the actual the knob. Oh, Chunk? yeah, why not? You now have got a whole looking inside. Okay, great. I take the doorknob out and I peek my little eye through the hole. There looks to be a lot of people in there. Yep. Like a lot. Like shoulder to shoulder crammed in there. Are they moving? They all seem to be watching. I'm going to tell you. I don't know why I'm telling him. He does this all the time. (laughs) There seems to be a lot of people in there standing shoulder to shoulder. And Straight back from the door, about 20 feet, very small distance, you can see that there's a little bit of an opening, and there's just like a single lamp for this entire room of people. And there's one person sitting on a stool all the way in the back, back to the door, and they're talking. The people. No, just this one person. That one person is talking, yes. And it's like everyone's watching this one person, what sounds like a performance. Mm -hmm. And it's this really, really weird, Oh, Mr. Darcy, you're looking very fine today. It's so nice to see you on this lovely afternoon. Oh, my lady, I've longed for you. I have worshipped you and and crept beneath your window, wondering I could see your face. Oh, I do declare you are far too forward. And it's just this weird sort of like, back and forth thing that this one person's doing and it looks like dozens of people are crammed into a tiny room watching this. Okay. Do the people look similar to one another? Do they look different? Are they all humans? They're all kind of shadowed and silhouetted. Can't see. They look humanoid, I suppose. And they're not moving. They're not moving. This place does not look big enough for the amount of people that are in here. So we're talking like mannequins or we're talking a bunch of body parts. Right. And there's a, I mean, it sounds like a Potentially a playwright who wants to get produced. Potentially a theater row. I mean, sure. Um, I've heard of worse ways to get your stuff produced. Oh God! I mean, part of me just. I dare say, my lady, that dress looks really fine. Oh, thank you. I made it myself. I make everything myself. Can I see the color of this person's hair? Nope, they're, uh, they are the only thing between you and the light. So you just see their hunched over form. They're on a little wooden three-legged stool. Do I see any weapons? No. They seem to be fidgeting with something. Part of me wants to create a minor illusion to try and clear people out of the building before we go in. But I don't think that, but that the things that are in this room, I don't think are people. Yeah. I think there is one person in here and a whole bunch of creepy shit. Um, <laughs> oh, what would they say if they ever find out? I'll never let them find out. You're mine. You're mine alone. You're only mine. <laughs> I I think Zenia's gonna open the door and announce herself. 
<laughs> Open the door, sure. Uh, let's let's move in stealthily. Stealth, stealth check. Oh. Oh. Twenty non-natural. Also twenty non-natural. Twelve. Fakara realizes that that's going to be a super tight fit if she tries to get in there. But as far as the other two, um, you guys can sneak closer if you want. Uh, yes. Guard the door. Thank you, Fakara. There seems to be only one exit. Okay. Um, as we you, start to sneak in. As you start to creep inside, you realize that all those people that you've been seeing aren't real. Mannequins They're or just like a bunch of mannequins and marionettes of various sizes hanging in there. Are they disembodied limbs or are they made out of false materials? It is pitch black in there, aside from that single lantern, and the okay. conversation continues to get. Aunt Handa, you bring him. How dare you? Oh, gentlemen, don't fight over mine, Court. I'll never let you have her. You're mine. You're mine. You're mine. <laughs> oh, how dare you? <laughs> Is it time to just... It's time to announce ourselves. Okay. Um, Zenia says, hello. <gasps> no. no, they're not ready. They, they, I told you they're not ready. Come back. Come back. <laughs> what aren't ready? And he like like goes and like like hides into the corner. No, no, you disrupt the process. I told you they're not ready. <laughs> Perix walks forward, and uh, I don't have any calming spells. I just looked, uh, but says um, we're not here to move you ahead of schedule, but we are here to check on uh, the project. Dexterity saving throw. Shit. Oh god. Natural twenty. Yes. So a twenty-two. You needed to roll. I have a note, and I'm not shitting you. If you didn't roll a natural 20, you were going to lose an arm. Whew. I am not fucking dicking around. I was going to take off your fucking arm if you didn't roll a natural 20. Oh, my God. Thank you, Lord of the Dice. We had a deal. We had a deal. Can Perix perceive, either with passive or active perception, what would have taken his arm? No, you can't. Okay. Um, but he sliced at you with an open hand. Okay. Uh, Perix will ask, Sir, we're not here to harm you. What is your name? Uh, yeah, this is not going well. Yes. This is really not going well. The, the fact that you're walking in here, you need to make a choice right now if you are going to attempt to defeat him or physically restrain him. This dude is fucking wild, and you walking in here, not knowing he's here, not knowing what the hell is going on, is going to result in you dead in about five seconds if you guys don't make a collective choice. Uh, I cast Ray of Enfeeblement on him. Brilliant. That'll work. Uh, 24. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, Ray of Enfeeblement just comes out of your finger and whoever this dude is kind of hits the floor and you can see a lot of the telltale signs of uh, Rakdos psychosis, tattoos, piercings, and some really uncomfortable spots. Any black tentacles? No black tentacles at all, but you can see his fingers flexing back and forth, and he actually has, like, razor blades under his fingernails as he's trying to, like... <laughs> now that he's enfeebled, can I look in his office and investigate? Yeah. Perix will stand watch on the guy. You don't need to roll. Oh. This is a tiny little hovel of what the fuck. Yeah. Um, whoever this person is, he makes 
puppets and marionettes. Um, and there is a fucking pile of basically non-filed orders, contracts. You very quickly get the idea that some of these are politely carved from wood, at least the ones that are hanging in here. You also see some signed and seals Rakdos assassination contracts and deliveries for some things that are really not super comfortable. Let's get an investigation check. 19. 21. 21 over 20? Mm-hmm. Would you believe it? Who do you think there's an old assassination contract for? Malthus Reed. Oh, yeah. Does it have, Is it signed by anybody? Is that how these things work? It's just sealed and stamped, meaning... It was completed. It was completed. And Xenia quietly pockets that. Do we see gills, angel wings, anything like that? You see... An angel feather? Let's let's just be as nice as we can and say whether or not those particular pieces are physically in front of you is not the problem here. Copy. <laughs> um, um, no, it does not look like he stores any of the parts here. Everything here seems pretty like normal, like I made some nice stuff, but it's very clear that there's maybe some partial projects that are waiting for body parts. Is or there something? anything from my investigation role of 19 that would give me an address of where those other things might be? No way. Okay. No way. Anyone who's dealing with this dude is this is some this is some either last resort or really risky garbage. Whoever mucked with this dude paid to have him murder Malthus Reed by name and cut off his limbs. That's the sort of thing about these contracts that's so strange is the parts harvested are notated by him when he seals it. And he also, something to note, is that uh, all the contracts we've seen thus far are one with the blank, one with the blank. Malthus Reed is named. Yes. Is there any other named contract? He has written Malthus Reed. The contract was titled One with the Step. Huh. You got a what on your investigation? Actually, 19. no, it would have been Xenia. Mm-hmm. You got over a 20? Yes. Are you guys going to be doing anything else in here? Do I see any potential correspondence with anything? Other than just those contracts, I don't see anything else. No, nope. however this goes down, this is somebody says somebody wants somebody dead, but it's more of a harvesting, and then they sign sort of what it is, and then regardless of how it works down... All you need to know in this particular case is that somebody hired this guy to dismember and kill. One with the step. Malthus Reed. Right. Suggesting that by ordering one with the step, he knows who that is. Got it. That is everything you need to know from investigating his room. Uh, Perix will carefully... Mindful of swinging razor blades. You might need to find a way to physically restrain him. Fakara! Yes. I can do that. Yes. Strength? Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be 26. 
<laughs> I rolled a natural 20. What's his mod? Plus three. Yay! Yes, yes, <laughs> He is physically restrained. Okay. Xenia uses sleight of hand to search this failure. 19. Wouldn't you know it? He's got an is it device strapped to his waist. Do I know what it is? No. I take it. You have an unknown is it device that is not part of your school. What does it look like? Um, it looks like uh, something that could be clipped onto a belt. It looks like sort of uh, two old school tape reel housing units attached to each other. So it looks like it's got two bits that rotate inside of a larger housing. Okay. Um, looks like it potentially relates to the school of teleportation. Do I see anything else on him? Nope. Okay. So uh, I pocket that and and I say to the others, I say, I think it's time we leave. I agree. Knock him out. Oh, yeah. Tie him up. Yeah. Good Good job. <laughs> Uh, I I will ponder on the location for the delivering to Tajik on return. Okay. Um, we can scratch an X on the door. Sounds good. A quick hop, skip, and a jump back to Sunholm to wrap this whole messy ordeal up. Not much more to say on this matter right now. However, you have found the man responsible for slicing up Malphus Reed back during the year-end festival. On the next Encounter Party! After an intense investigation, the choice must be made on how to utilize this new information. Could there truly be a forgotten land underneath the Undercity? And what connection could it have to the disappearing Golgari? Find out next time on Encounter Party! Encounter Party is produced by Play Plus One and Charging Moose Media, based on the worlds of Dungeons and & Dragons and Magic the Gathering, created by Wizards of the Coast. Original campaign written by Brian David Judkins. Sound capture and original effects by Will Malones. Edits and mixing by Ned Donovan and Katie Brow. Theme song and additional music by Alexander Nakarada of Serpent Sound Studios. Additional music by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech. Special thanks to Megan Judkins and Will Malones.